I've tried to pass out the ones I could today. If you don't have it by next week, let me know and we can see about getting you one printed up. So just a little side note before we get started. Um, you know, as I was doing the first service and I realized Mike's back there with the, uh, the camera in the second service, you know, Facebook Live. So I feel like I can't get away with as much as I used to <laughs> while the pastor's out of town because, you know, he can watch it live. Great. Well, I'm going to have my phone up here and just keep it on in case Micah sends something. No, I'm just kidding. Um, welcome to technology, as we were joking about the baseball thing. Baseball players have always tried to cheat and steal signs. Now they just have cameras to do it, and now they're mad. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. Um, so this morning, uh, Micah has asked me to give my word for the year. And I'm going to go way back a little bit when Micah's dad was the pastor and Sometimes he would come up to you on a Wednesday morning and say, hey, you want to speak Wednesday night? And there may not have been a whole lot of time to prepare, but we did, and, and God used it, and um, definitely missed my father-in-law, but Micah did give me some time, a little heads-up time, to start preparing. So as I was looking into my word, and I'll let you know, generally over the last few years, my word as I've prayed and sought out, has been something that I need to work on. Generally, God gives me something that it's going to be my word, and it's something I've not done as well as I should in the past, maybe something to keep up with. So as I started looking into my word, uh, last week, sitting here when Pastor Jordan was, was given his word, and he's like, I've got a verse, but I'm not going to speak from that verse. I'm going to have, and this, it was amazing how you put this, I'm going to use an event not a story. When we think of stories, we think of maybe something you try and put your kids to sleep with at night, something that's made up, that you know, something like that. But use an event, and I'm sitting there just laughing to myself because that's exactly where God was leading me at the time was I've got my verse, which has my word, but I'm going to use an event a little farther down the road in Acts to illustrate uh, my word as God's brought it to me. So I'd, more times than I can even think to imagine when... Several of us have been asked to give a word or to speak, or in Sunday school or life groups, as we call it, we have a message, and then we come in here, and Micah has the exact same word. I love how God works to bring his word in unity, and we're always um, working together. And in the last few lessons of 2019 was in reference to defending your faith and sharing your faith, and Michael had, or Michael, Micah had words about it and it just solidified that this year my word is going to be witness so as we look into it if you want to go ahead and turn to acts chapter one that's where the verse is going to be the event i'll be using is in acts chapter eight you can kind of mark those two and then we'll be all over the place and uh roger's pretty quick back there he'll keep up with me if you don't have a bible or there's one in front of you in the pew but as we as we look into this and I've talked about this before, sometimes God's will is not detailed word for word in the scripture. And what do I mean by that? All right, job decisions. You know, as I've gone through my career, when I first started, and as I got my pilot's license, all I wanted to do was fly a helicopter for the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office. And I was at a point where it was time to interview and make the decision and I was unable to find anywhere in here where it said Robert Peck should either apply or not apply to be a pilot at the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office. 
If you guys have seen it and I missed it, I'll be glad to go back and redo it because I still have eight years before I can retire. Maybe I can still get in there. But I never found that particular scripture. However, long story short, I was sure that my family came first and going to the area and it would have been really, really hard on family. So God's will was in there. I just had to do a little more searching for it. Um, you know, marriage. God's will for marriage in general is very specific. It's very clear. We have lots to learn about from there. But again, as I go through this, I didn't see any scripture that said you should marry Kelly Strickland. I just didn't find it. But again, through prayer and using the spirit, we can figure it out. Other things like what church to go to, things like that. Then there's other times where scripture is very specific in what we're called to do. I don't think anybody can question we're called to love. It's very clear in scripture we're called to love. It's very clear we're called to serve others. And as my word for the year is, and remember, I say this pretty much every time I'm up here. As I'm talking, there's this invisible mirror in if I say you all the time, it's just because I'm not paying attention to what I'm saying. It's not because I'm aiming this at all y'all. It's generally aimed at me, and hopefully and prayerfully it affects you guys as well, and we can all move forward a little better off from it. So, again, if I say you all the time, it's not because I'm, you know, hey, I'm up here being perfect, you guys are bad. That's not it at all. Um, so we're called to love, we're called to serve, and we're called to share the gospel. It's that simple. There's no question about it. There's no, we could argue till we're blue in the face. You're not going to change my mind that the scripture tells us we're supposed to share. We're supposed to share the good news of Jesus. And as we'll talk about, we all have lots of different excuses, reasons, whatever. Um, but ultimately, we're called to share. So if you're at uh, Acts 1, it's a very familiar verse. Um, it's very close if you read our mission statement on the front of the bulletin. Um, it sounds eerily familiar, making disciples, but um, you know, that's what our church's mission statement is, what we're called to do. But anyways, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. We are going to be witnesses. Um, so that is going to be my verse for the year. It's... My word specifically is witness. So let's see what we can, uh, what we can get through today uh, in regarding to this word. So looking back a little bit in the book of Matthew 28, and I think most of you know where I'm going with this. Matthew 28, starting in verse um, 16. If your book has titles, mine says the Great Commission. Uh, if you go back just a couple verses uh, after the resurrection... Verse 9, Jesus says, And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. And this is just another example of the followers of Christ doing what they're told. Because if you go down to verse 16, it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee. So they did what they were told. They obeyed to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him... They worshipped him, but some doubted. Been there, done that. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. 
two different uh, scripture references. Both of them, if, if your Bible has it, are written in red, meaning they came out of the mouth of Jesus. And I'm not here to say that any part of scripture is more or less important, but for me personally, when I see the red, it's coming directly from my Savior, it, it carries weight with me. And in two places, it's straight from him. And I, I don't propose to say what God intended the way this happened, but it seems to me that it's fairly important that immediately after the resurrection, one of the first commands he's giving to his disciples is go share. Go tell about me. And in this case, for them, a little bit different than our experience in that they were with him. You know, they were sharing the stories of being there, walking with him, um, you know, suffering with him. We, on the other hand, we have the full story now, as completely told in Scripture, as God has meant for us to have it, and we have our own personal testimony. So while we can't do as the disciples did and say, while I was walking with Jesus in Galilee, we can say that we've experienced it, we have our own experiences, and we have the Scripture, the, the events that have happened in Scripture um, to verify and to solidify us sharing, sharing the Word. Again, Let's be ultimately clear, if you don't hear anything else that I say today, we are called to share the gospel, plain and simple. Um, but we'll look at an example in Acts chapter 8. Look at a, a guy named Philip. And as we'll see, I, I, I love the name he gets later in scripture, but let's back up just a hair. Or we'll start with uh, chapter 8, and we'll look at the setting where we're at now. So chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul approved of this execution. Who we're referring to, if you go back to chapter 7, is when Stephen gave his sermon and he was stoned to death. And Saul, as we come to know as Paul later, approved of it. It says, And Saul approved of his execution, and there arose that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church, and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. So Jerusalem is not a fun place to be if you're a Christian. Paul is doing what, well, Saul, let me fix that. Saul was doing what, he thought was the right thing and was persecuting the way, the Christians of the church. Stephen had just been killed, and through this persecution, uh, many of the disciples, not the apostles, but many of the disciples were scattered outside of Jerusalem. And what does Philip do? He goes to Samaria and he shares the gospel. He preaches the word. So, as we look, as I was looking into this, I was like, well, who's Philip? So if we go back to Acts chapter 6, we get a small picture of Philip. Uh, most of us are familiar with the story of choosing of the, first, the, seven, the first seven deacons, as we, we generally call them. So if you look at chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, who we will appoint to this duty. 
but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, or Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. So we look back, and we find out that Philip was one of the original seven chose to be deacons of the church, to handle the serving so that the, the apostles could focus on preaching of the gospel. So we see that about Philip. Um, good repute, full of spirit, and full of wisdom. And how do we know that? Because the seven men that they were supposed to pick had to have these qualities before they would be chosen. So we know that about Philip. And then we jump ahead to Acts 21. And notice the, the irony in this. So when we see Philip leave Jerusalem, he's basically fleeing from Saul, from the persecution, but Saul's sort of in charge of it. And then we go to Acts 21, where we're now in the missionary journeys of Saul. And in verse 7, uh, Acts 21, verse 7, it says, When we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Ptolemais, and we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for a day. On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. So Philip saw, I, I don't know if he was there when Stephen was stoned, but he knows that this guy Saul killed his friend, his fellow deacon. And then through the work of Christ and through the work of God, he's now entertaining Paul in his home as Paul is out spreading the word. And notice what he's referred to in this point. Philip the evangelist. So he had a, uh, a calling in the early church as a deacon. And I think many of us, we get where we think we're called and we get comfortable. So he's a deacon. Well, basically his church has run off. So he's no longer a deacon. I think it'd be very easy for Philip to say, well, I'll just find another church to go deek at or deacon at. But he didn't. He went and he preached the word. Whatever he was doing, he was going to go preach the word. And so we now refer to him as Philip the Evangelist. And again, I think it's, it's awesome that he's hosting Paul, the guy that was actively, or actively approved of his friend being killed. So kind of there's a little bit of uh, the story of Philip, if you will. So now we'll move to back to chapter 8 in Acts. Verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. So now we move to Philip gets a call. An angel of the Lord says to Philip, rise and go towards the south. What is Philip's response? He goes. He doesn't, uh, verse 27, and he rose and went. He didn't make a plan, form a committee, try to decide who he was going to disciple until they were good enough to go down to the south. He just went. He got a command from the Lord, and he got up and went. He didn't argue he didn't make excuses. He didn't have reasons. Um, he didn't say, well, Lord, right now is not the time. 
or he didn't do it, I would say, God, the desert is a very hot place. I don't want to be there. This, this guy was not called to minister in the desert. More of a mountain guy myself, God. So we'll find somebody who likes the heat, who likes to live in, uh, in sweltering weather, and we'll send them down there. He didn't do that. He just got up and went. He listened to the call, and off he went. And maybe in your mind somebody's thinking, well, an angel hasn't come to me and told me to go share my faith with anybody. No, but this has. And again, it may not have, it's not as specific as, hey, go down and there's a chariot you're going to jump on, as we'll see in a minute. But we're told to go and to share. And at the end, we'll kind of hopefully have a little plan um, that we can get that. Hey, go talk to this person. You'll be amazed at how specific God can be with you if you'll just listen. So moving on, we'll go to verse 28. Um, back up just a little bit. He had come to Jerusalem and to worship, and he was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join his chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. So again, Philip was given a direction. Um, there's no indication at this point, and uh, my history is not what it should be probably, but I don't believe that there was any animosity between the Jews and the Ethiopians at this point. So it wasn't a matter of, hey, go talk to this Ethiopian. I know he wants to kill you. But he was told to go. The Ethiopian had come to worship. But as we'll find out, even though he was there to worship, he didn't understand what was going on. So it says Philip was told to do. And in this case, he runs to the chariot. The sense of urgency. And I think that's something that we lack. And we'll look at that here in a little bit. But Philip ran to the chariot. Again, he made no hesitation. He had no excuses. He didn't wait for somebody else to come, somebody that knew more than him, somebody that was better chosen to speak. Uh, you know, all these excuses we can come up with. And I, I, as I was looking, going over this and thinking about all the excuses that we have, I thought about Moses. You know, God, you can't use me. I, I stutter. I don't speak well. And just look at the impact Moses had on the children of Israel for just being faithful. We all have shortcomings. Maybe you don't think you do, but I'll be, I'll be the one to tell you. Yes, you do. We all have them. They're just different. They look different. And I, many of those shortcomings may be something that could hinder your witness, your, your ability to share. However, comma, as we see in Acts, 8, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we have power. We're given power, and we'll see again. We'll be given what to say if we're faithful to share the word. So, again, Philip was very... Obedient, he went and he hopped up on the chariot uh, with the Ethiopian. And we'll continue, uh, verse 30 again. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked him, Do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him in the chariot. That's a pretty profound question. How can I unless somebody guides me? How many people are in our lives that can't understand because they have nobody to guide me, nobody to guide them. And I would venture to say how many times are we that guide that God's put in their lives and we don't, we don't take action. Again, we, um, you know, how many times have we missed? Don't let that get you down. Let that be a motivator. Let's not miss the next opportunity. 
let's not leave that one on the, you know, up, oh, darn it, I missed that one. Maybe somebody else will come behind me to pick it up. It's our responsibility um, to answer the call and to share. And, and again, as I was studying in, in Romans chapter 10, this one kind of broke my heart as I read it. Romans 10, um, starting in verse 13, says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the goal, right? That's the goal of our witness, for people to call on the name of the Lord. But how do they know to call on him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of who they've never heard? It makes sense, right? you never heard of Jesus, you can't believe in him, you've never heard it. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And before we take this and see the word preaching and say, well, that's Micah's problem, he's the one that's supposed to preach, that's not saying preaching the gospel from the pulpit of the church, that's sharing the gospel. We're all called to do it. And if we don't do it, how are people supposed to hear? They won't. They can't. And I think that in my walk particularly, I admit it, I'm a, I'm a fast food kind of guy. And I don't mean going to fast food to eat. I mean, I want everything right now. You know, nothing takes more than a minute and a half anymore in our society. And I, I want immediate response and so if I can do something for Christ and I get an immediate response that's gratifying to me I feel like I've done something but in the salvation business that's generally not how it works um, we'll see here with Philip he got an instant response but you know Micah's talked about it with these cards how many years worth of prayers are written on those cards right now how long have people prayed and prayed and prayed and unfortunately sometimes those prayers are not answered the way we want to. But I can guarantee you that the prayer will be answered no for salvation if we don't share and they don't have the opportunity to make that decision. Ultimately, the decision's theirs. We don't save anybody. We don't send anybody to hell. But if we're not sharing, they're not going to hear it. And I know that one of the, I guess we'll just call it excuses, that we like to use is, well, we're in the South, we're in the Bible Belt, and everybody has access. That's true. A lot of people can hear it, but do you know that they have access? Do you know that they've set their foot in the door of a church? Do you know that the church they've been in preaches the gospel? You know, it's not for us to decide that everybody's had their chance and write them off. I mean, think about if God had said, well, you had your chance, I'm writing you off. But he doesn't. Over and over again, he'll forgive us. And so, take that with a grain of salt and realize one it's not our responsibility to decide where people are and what access they had and two we don't save people we just share and ultimately let let God do his business with them let the Holy Spirit work with them so how can we know what to say Romans ten fourteen says we have to say something um, but we also know through the power that we're given, as it says in Acts 1.8, and we'll see here in a minute that we're also given the words to say. So we keep uh, moving on. We'll go to verse 32 and read the scripture that the Ethiopian is reading. Now the passage of scripture 
that he was reading was this, like a sheep he was led to slaughter, and like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation, for his life is taken away from the earth? And that's referencing to uh, Isaiah 53, 7 and 8, is where that scripture comes to. It's the prophet Isaiah referring to Christ in his prophecy. So in this case, I think Philip got off a little bit easy. The Ethiopian was already in the Word. He was already reading scripture. He just didn't understand it. Um, but for us, if the person that we're talking to is not, doesn't have the Bible open when you start, it should be open by the time you guys get finished. But... Philip gets up, he's faithful, he gets up, and he starts sharing the gospel. And then um, the, the eunuch has another question. He says, and he said to Philip, about whom, in verse 34, I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? Again, another good question. And here is Philip again being faithful. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. He didn't say, hey, Ethiopian, we're good friends. You should see how I act, and you act like I do, and my witness is my actions. No, he didn't say that. He opened his mouth, and he started talking to him. Where did he start? He started with the scripture. And then he walked him through the complete gospel um, as they had it to, up until that point, and he, he witnessed to the Ethiopian. And there's no indication they had any prior knowledge of each other. They weren't buds. They didn't hang out. This was where Philip was told to go, and he went. So, again, we bust out the excuse board. Well, I don't know the word like Philip knew the word. I, I wouldn't know what to say. I don't know how to react when people ask me questions. Well, first of all, the simple answer is use the scripture. It's not anything, we don't have anything to add or subtract from this word. We give it to them as it is. They, they deal with, with God on it and they make their decision. But we start with scripture. And also if you look at, um, as we talked about Acts 1.8, we'll be given power. But also if you go to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew 10 uh, it starts in verse 16, but they're talking about persecution specifically. But it says in verse 18, And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, and this is Jesus talking, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. We'll be given the words, guys. We're given the power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we have the power. We'll be given the words. We'll be told what to say. I want to throw a little caveat in there, though. That is not an excuse to not study your Bible. Amen. Many times, the words that you will be given are the scriptures that you've memorized or the scriptures that you've meditated on or the ones that you've hidden in your heart. Those are going to be the things that the Spirit is going to bring back to your memory to say, this is what I want you to share with this person. This is what that person needs to hear. This is where they're at in their lives that they need to hear without us knowing um, why we're supposed to bring it up. But I just want to make sure that I, this is not a, a blanket excuse to not study. We need to know the word, and God will direct us through our knowledge, through his power, and supernaturally people will get saved.
And to kind of go back as a reminder, for me, one of the biggest things is rejection. You go, and, and the, the example that's always been used is when you go door to door, the door getting slammed in your face. I don't particularly enjoy that. But what I have to remind myself is they're not rejecting me. They're rejecting Christ. That shouldn't stop me. We, we know we're going to be, we know that people are going to reject Christ. And that's tragic. Uh, I, I hate it. But there's nothing we can do in our own power to change people. So in my life group class, I always say a lot of the stuff we talk about on Sunday mornings is very easy to grasp. It's easy to mentally understand, but to put it into action is a whole different ballgame. And that, that, for me, this is one of those that's really, really hard. I understand that it's not about me. It's about Christ. They don't want to change. They don't, whatever it is that keeps them, but I don't always take it that way. It always seems personal to me, and that's something that I struggle with to try and have to, to realize that it's not about me. So we'll kind of finish up here with, um, with Philip and the eunuch. So Philip opens his mouth, as we saw in verse 35. And I love the Ethiopian's response. He hears about Jesus, and as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch says, he doesn't say, hey, get out my cart. I'll think about it. I'll get back with you later. Um, he doesn't say, that's a nice story. Move on. He says, hey, here's some water. <laughs> what prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded his chariot to stop, and they both went down to the water, Philip and the eunuch, and Philip baptized the eunuch. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. Again, this is an example of an immediate salvation experience. Don't share your faith expecting this. Don't share your faith and be disappointed when you don't see this. Rejoice when you do. Rejoice when others tell you stories of, Hey, this guy was down and out. We spoke, and he made that decision. But in this case, we, we see it uh, an immediate salvation. And going back to the flesh, for me, in my head, I see, oh, there's a, a salvation experience. That's great. Check block. I'm going home to watch the game. Whatever. Does Philip, it doesn't say Philip then went on vacation. Then he finds himself somewhere else, Azotus, wherever that might be. And he passed through. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he got back home to Caesarea. He just didn't stop. Philip was always on the go, always preaching. And I, you know, we, the, the, there's the phrase out there, what do you want your tombstone to say? You know, kind of a, an experience of your life. And, and I would not be disappointed at all if the evangelist was attached to my headstone as it was to Philip's. He became Philip the evangelist. And that doesn't mean that you have to quit your job and get an RV and drive around to all the churches as we know evangelism or evangelists as we see in today's society. That just means that you're known as one who shares your faith. Unashamed, utterly out sharing your faith. So with that in closing, couple of things hopefully we can remember is I think we can all agree we're called to share there's no excuse that should allow you to say I do not need to share the gospel um, and I, I've used this before and we've all heard this and I'm not going to use a specific but 
if I put a jar up here and there's little pills in there and I said, come up here, get some of these pills and take them to people you know who are sick, who are ill, with something that is incurable and you know 100% that their life is not going to last for more than a year. Everybody in this room would be running up here grabbing those pills and giving them to people that they knew, that you guys knew needed that medicine that would save their lives. How much more important is the medicine we have for eternal death? You know, there's two places. There's eternity with God. There's eternity separated from God. And yet, again, for me personally, you know, if you had that bottle of pills and you gave it to somebody and they were healed, you'd have that immediate satisfaction of knowing that they were healed. But we've got to focus on the forever, guys. We've got to be able to accept that it's not going to be an immediate gratification for us when somebody gets saved. We may never see it. But ultimately, we've saved them from eternity separated from our God. So I'll close with uh, some words that some of us aren't going to like. Uh, on the board, I don't know. I didn't look up and see if patience is up there. But we've all either prayed for patience or heard the stories of those who have prayed for patience. And, ooh, they got a whooping to learn some patience. I'm asking you to pray for witnessing. And it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be... It, it could be, I'm not going to say it's not, but it's not likely going to be like Philip's story here where the first person you share with is going to make a salvation uh, commitment and you're going to have that instant um, satisfaction. But pray for somebody to witness to. The cards are one way. We Mike has already got us doing that. Praying for people we know are lost. Pray for an opportunity to share with them. Ask God to set you up in a meeting or however it works with somebody that you need to share with. And then the hard part. When the chariot shows up and God says, go to that chariot and speak to who's in it, go jump in the chariot. Run to it, hop in the chariot, and sit down and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, I just thank you again for this day, Lord. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the beauty of your word that we should all be excited to, to run out and share with others. Lord, forgive us when we, we miss those opportunities. God, help us to, to be in tune with you so that we don't miss those opportunities, that we, we um, call to memory your words and we share it with others. Lord, just uh, be with all that leave this building today. May worship of you not stop at these doors, but continue throughout the week and, and throughout every, every minute and second of our lives. Lord, thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen.
is able, He will never fail. He is Almighty God, greater than all we see, greater than all we ask. He has done great things, lifted up. God is with us. God is with us. God is on our side. 